You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hello, I'm pleased that you can be with me here for this episode. My name is David Rosenthal, and uh, looking forward to opening God's Word and sharing uh, what's on my heart. Uh, I hope it will be a blessing to you. Um, in the last episode, and this is really a continuation of the last episode that, uh, that I did, um, I was in Daniel chapter 9, and we were focused on really the, the backstory to a very familiar passage of scripture as it relates to biblical prophecy, um, which is really the backbone of biblical prophecy, Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Uh, and the prophecy, the word really given to Daniel uh, about what will happen to Daniel, to his people, to the city of Jerusalem uh, in the future. Daniel is, at that time was in Babylonian captivity, and uh, he was nearing the end of 70 years of captivity in probably the 67th or 68th year, 68th year that he was there. And he pours out his heart in a magnificent prayer to the Lord. And in the earlier portions of Daniel chapter 9, Daniel says, uh, I'm familiar, I know the prophecy given by Jeremiah that we are going to be here in captivity for 70 years in Babylonian captivity. Um, so it's natural for Daniel to be thinking about the time after the 70 years, what's going to happen? And that's the question that Daniel has. What will happen to my people? What will happen to uh, Jerusalem? It's, it's lying in heaps uh, right now uh, after Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians sacked it three times um, earlier. And so Daniel, uh, at the end, or near the end of this 70 years, is pouring out his heart in a magnificent prayer to the Lord. And in that prayer, in Daniel chapter 9, he says, I know, Lord, that uh, Jeremiah has given a prophecy from you that we will be here 70 years. And Daniel says, in sackcloth and ashes, as he's dressed, the Bible tells us, that he, he pours out his heart and he identifies with the sin of his people. Now, Daniel has a stellar reputation. Daniel uh, is a righteous man. As a matter of fact, the Bible has nothing negative to say about Daniel. Um, he was taken into captivity as a young man with his friends uh, who were in the courts of Jerusalem. He was a learned individual, but a very godly individual. And so here he's pouring out his heart in sackcloth and ashes, and he says, O oh Lord, we have sinned against you. We have rebelled against your covenant law. And what he's referring to in the passage in Daniel 9 is the covenant law that God made with Israel at Mount Sinai, the Mosaic law that was given to the children of Israel. But Daniel says, we have sinned, we have rebelled, we did not keep your law. It's a shame to us and to our kings and to our princes that we did not follow the law, but we transgressed against you, O oh Lord. Now, at the end of that chapter, Daniel is visited by Gabriel, an angel of the Lord, and he's given an amazing uh, prophetic piece of information that it is a, a, a key component for us, a structural component, a framework, if you will, for us to understand the rest of biblical prophecy in terms of what will happen to Israel and what will happen to Jerusalem in the last days. 
and how God will bring history to a proper consummation. But in that prayer earlier in Daniel 9, Daniel says, we have broken your law and there is a curse upon us because we have broken your law. We have broken your covenant, O God. And I suggested to you in the last episode that Daniel has something specific in mind, I believe, in relation to the breaking of that covenant law. And I took you back to the book of Deuteronomy, and I'll just um, reiterate that briefly to you, where Moses is giving charge to the children of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, and it says, But it shall come to pass that if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, Israel, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And he lists a series of curses upon Israel. I'll curse your, your flocks, your land, your cities, everything that you do, I will curse. And then it culminates in verse 25, the Lord shall cause thee, Moses is saying to the children of Israel, to be smitten before thine enemies, thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them and shalt be removed into, listen, all the kingdoms of the earth. I think it's very significant. And then I took you to a parallel passage in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 26. And Moses is again giving charge to the children of Israel based on what God has told him uh, to convey to the children of Israel. And it's the same thing. And, and God is saying, look, if you, if you keep your end of the deal, if you keep the covenant, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your flocks, your, your cities, uh, the work of your hands. I'm going to bless you, bless you, bless you. And in the Bible, blessing is life and goodness. Um, so life and the goodness of God upon that life. So if you had God's blessing, you had everything, you had it all. But here God continues through Moses and says, he says, look, I will walk among you. I will be your God. Ye shall be my people. I'm the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. I have set you free. This is what I did for you, God says. But the next verse, if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgment so that you will not do all my commandments, but you're going to break my covenant, then I'm going to curse you. I'm going to do all these things unto you. If you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you. Verse 18, I will punish you, God says, seven times more for your sins. Four times in this chapter, God says, specifically through Moses, I will punish you seven times more or chastise you or judge you for your sins. And I will make your cities waste, bring your sanctuaries unto desolation. I will bring the land into desolation. Your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will, listen, scatter you among the heathen, or the nations of the world, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Now, if you go back to Daniel chapter 9, Daniel understands, I believe, what was spoken clearly to the children of Israel, to his people historically. And now Daniel is referencing that in Daniel chapter 9. And he says, Oh Lord, I know you're the one who brought us out of Egypt. You're the one who made a covenant with us. We rebelled. 
We were iniquitous. We were idolatrous. We turned against you and your law. And therefore, we are under a curse. We are under a curse. So Daniel understands that the captivity that he is facing and that his people are facing right now at near the end of, of, the, of the 70 years, he realizes that they are there because they did not keep the law of God and keep his covenant. So now, Daniel, as he pours out his heart, he says, I beseech thee, in verse 16, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us, to all that are around us. We are a reproach. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to call something very important to your attention. And that is, we know from Scripture, from other passages, particularly in the book of Revelation, Revelation 13, Revelation 17, that there is a course of Gentile world powers that came against Israel, assaulted them, and in many instances took them into captivity. And do you know, folks, how many nations are listed in terms of the ones that would come up against Israel, Israel's enemies throughout human history, throughout Israel's history. The Bible makes it clear that there are eight nations or empires that through world history would come up against Israel. In Revelation 17, we read about a, a beast with seven heads and ten horns. And that's indicative of seven empires or nations that would come up against Israel. And the ten horns are related specifically to a final empire of which there will be ten kings representing most likely ten nations that will unify and give their allegiance to one individual, the Antichrist, that will rule over them as one final empire that will come up against Israel in the last days. And this specific empire and the Antichrist will be specifically empowered by Satan. It will be an eighth empire that comes up against Israel to attack and to enslave. So ladies and gentlemen, if you go back to the passages that we looked at in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, and it specifically tells us in connection to Israel and whether she would keep the law or not, that if she was to abandon the law, if she was to turn her back on the law, that specifically we are told, and they were told, that God would punish them seven more times and that they would be taken over by the kingdoms of the earth around them. And you say, ah, but Dave, you said the Bible clearly indicates that there are eight kingdoms. And that's true. But if you go back to the context of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, God is saying through Moses, I've already brought you out of Egypt, which was the first kingdom that came up against Israel. And, con and he continues on in those passages to say, if you do not keep my covenant, I will enslave you to the nations around you seven more times for a total of eight, which is exactly what we see 
in the book of Revelation. Eight total empires that by the end, and by the time we reach the end of human history, where the stage is set for Jesus Christ to return, there will have been eight beast, satanically inspired empires that will have come up against Israel. And I believe in divine judgment against the people because they refused to keep the covenant that God made with them. Such, an, such a significant and important understanding, I believe, that Daniel understood in his prayer when he's pouring out his heart to God. And so Daniel may not have understood all of the intricacies of those things, but he understood that there was a curse put upon Israel that they would be going into captivity. And so here is Daniel, and the, there were two previous empires before the one that he was living in, Egypt and Assyria. And now Daniel is in the third, and he is in the Babylonian captivity. So he understood, I believe, that Israel and he are in captivity in judgment by God because they did not keep the covenant law. So now, Daniel is appealing to God, but he doesn't appeal for his own namesake. He doesn't appeal specifically because of Israel. He appeals to God and he asks and beseeches God to turn his fury away from thy city, Jerusalem, in verse 16 of Daniel chapter 9. Thy holy mountain. Why? Because of our sins, for our iniquities and the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and thy people Israel are become a reproach to all that are about us or around us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate. Jerusalem and the temple was lying in desolation since the time of the Babylonian invasion. He says, please do all of this for the Lord's sake. O oh my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations in the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, Daniel says, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Amazing verse, chapter, verse 20, Daniel 9. And while I was speaking and praying, Daniel says, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, Mount Zion. Yea, even while I was speaking in prayer, Gabriel came to me swiftly and touched me. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. And folks, I can tell you, Daniel had skill and understanding from the standpoint that he knew 
the Old Testament scriptures. He knew the scriptures of Israel. And we can see that because of the prayer that he uttered in the previous verses. But now he's going to receive some additional information that's critically important to have skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, he's told by Gabriel, the commandment came forth. Do you think that God was pleased by the heart of Daniel? It says, at the beginning of your supplication, at the beginning of your prayer, Daniel, I saw your heart attitude. I saw that you were in sackcloth and ashes. I saw that you were pouring out your heart, not in arrogance, but in, in repentance for you and your people. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. And I, Gabriel says, am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. What a wonderful thing to hear about the Lord in terms of how he felt about Daniel. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. And he goes on in verse 24, Seventy sevens or seventy weeks are determined upon who? Thy people. That's what the issue is. Who is Daniel's people? Who are they? Israel. The Jewish people. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Thy holy city, Jerusalem. To do what? To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now let's unpack that just for a moment. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Now we know the number seven is very significant. We saw the number seven in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus in a significant way where God was saying, I will punish you seven more times. And in the context, I think what is in view there is seven being the number of completion. It is complete and perfect judgment that God will mete out upon his people for them turning against him and not keeping the covenant, the Mosaic covenant that he established with them under Moses at Mount Sinai. But now here we're reading 70. We know 70 is significant. 70 weeks, or really what is in view here, and we see that more as we go through the text, 70 sevens are determined upon thy people. And we said to you, thy people is Israel and the Jewish people, upon thy holy city Jerusalem, to do what? To finish the transgression, or to bring the transgressions to a, fi a full and final completion, to end them and to make an end of sins. What transgression and what sin? The sin of the rebelliousness of his people in not keeping God's covenant laws. To finish that transgression, to wrap it up based on God's completion and his complete judgment upon the nation. So, to finish that transgression, to make an end of sins. In other words, by the time we reach the end of this, this uh, period of time of judgment that is about to be explained, that framework or that structure or that timeline that is so crucial for us to understand biblical prophecy and how God will bring everything to a proper and full and righteous consummation, He will make an end of sins. Israel will finally, in that day, 
look upon him whom they have pierced, and they will understand that they had broken God's covenant law and that God had provided them a means of, of atonement through Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary. So to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. God is going to bring history to a proper and righteous and just consummation. At the end of this 70-week prophecy that is determined upon Daniel's people and upon the city of Jerusalem. So we're going to end it here for today. Uh, Lord willing, we will continue in the next episode um, to pick up on this, Daniel 9, 24 through 27. We'll unpack this a little bit more and see if we can uh, determine the framework for uh, the future and to understand how God is going to bring history to a proper and righteous and just and glorious consummation. If you're interested in the backbone of Bible prophecy, um, our magazine, Zion's Fire, uh, we deal with a lot of these types of issues, and there's one issue in particular. It's called the backbone of prophecy. Um, we have limited quantities of this available, so if you are interested in obtaining a copy, we'd be delighted to send it to you for free. Um, you can call our toll-free number to request it at 1-888-781-9466. one 781 9466 Thank you so much, and I look forward to being with you in the next episode. God bless. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 